The Humboldt Broncos bus crash last April killed 16 people and injured 13 others. While several of the survivors have returned to hockey, other members of the team have faced a long recovery. One of those players is Ryan Strzeznicki, who was paralyzed from the chest down. Over the past year, Strzeznicki has proven to be the picture of determination in the wake of devastation. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at how the player from Airdrie, Alberta, handled the aftermath of the crash, how his family has dealt with the events of the last year, and what his goals are for the future. A massive network of journalists across the country telling Canada's most important stories. That's what this podcast is all about. If you're a regular listener, you already know that, but if you're not, how about becoming a subscriber at Apple Podcasts? Pretty simple. And if you're feeling charitable, leave us a rating and a review, and hey, tell your friends about us. I do it for them, do it for them because they can't, they can't be here doing it for themselves and heal and obviously, you know, they're watching over us and every day I just do it for them. Doing stuff that I wasn't able to do before. Or, or I guess when I was standing up, not being able to do stuff I can now, like for example, the stampede, and, you know, you see all the rides and, you, you know, and stuff like that, and you gotta you kind of watch other people go on it. Um, just little things like that kind of sucks. Friends don't treat me any different. Uh, it's still a good time, but you know, obviously I need a little more help now, but over the course of time, I, I want to be able to do stuff on my own. What you just heard is a clip from a documentary about Ryan Strzeznicki one year after the Humboldt Broncos bus crash, part of a feature from the Calgary Herald and Calgary Sun called Bronco Unbroken. We'll be featuring clips from this documentary throughout this episode. Sammy Hudes is a reporter for the Calgary Herald and Calgary Sun who has been covering Ryan Strzeznicki through his recovery over almost uh, the past year. So, Sammy... A year after the Humboldt Broncos bus crash, the story of Ryan Strzeznicki and his recovery and drive to get back on the ice is fairly well known. But where did this journey start? How did the road to Humboldt start for him? Ryan was uh, starting his first season uh, in the Junior A-Leagues back in September of 2017. And he was actually not supposed to be on the Humboldt Broncos. He was uh, driving up to White Court with his dad at that time, his dad Tom, to try out for the the White Court Wolverines in the Alberta League. And uh, Humboldt's coach, Darcy Hogan, um, had actually noticed Ryan at a a tournament the the previous year uh, as Ryan was finishing his last midget year. And uh, he had had his eye on him since that tournament and actually called Ryan uh, while he was on the drive up, called Ryan and his dad and said, uh, are you still set on on going to uh, to White Court? And they said, yeah. And uh, and Darcy said, well, you're not going to be there too much longer uh, if you actually make the team. 
at which point uh, Ryan and his dad kind of understood that Darcy, the coach in Humboldt, hadn't taken his eye off him all this time. And sure enough, just three games into his first season, uh, he was traded over to the Humboldt Broncos. And uh, that was his first year with the team. He uh, he had been playing with them for, you know, I guess a, a few weeks into the year up until that April bus crash. And that was that was how he became a part of the Humboldt family. Uh, you know, I was, hockey is such a big part of my life that I, I thought I would never, you know, play the sport again. And now I've just grown to accept it almost and find a new way around it, being involved in the game as, as much as I can. Um, but I think at the beginning when I knew, you know, something like a surgery wasn't going to help, um, it was tough. I mean, every kid quitting the game is tough. Uh, it's Canadian, right? Like you're going to, you're going to miss the sport, but if I can stay involved in any way, that'd be awesome. What were his goals with hockey? He he had wanted to play at a, a fairly high level, right? At least to try and take it as far as he could. W- what were his ultimate goals? Yeah, Ryan, uh, he told me a few times that his goal at that time, he was going to play uh, hopefully at least another year in Humboldt after that season. So he was hoping to have been on the team this past year. Uh, and then after that, he he wanted to catch on with a, a big time uh, NCAA Division One school. Uh, he said that uh, at the time of the crash, he had actually heard from a few coaches or scouts uh, over in the States who uh, were thinking of maybe giving him a shot at one of those NCAA schools. And um, yeah, that's as far as uh, he hoped to take it, maybe get an education out of that and see where it goes, try to make it professional if he could. But otherwise, it seemed like he kind of had an open mind from uh, from there on out. So the coach of the Humboldt Broncos had kind of had his eye on him as a player. What kind of hockey player was he? Is he a, a natural leader, fairly skilled hockey player to be playing at that level? So yeah, anybody playing at the junior A level is a, is a pretty high quality hockey player in their own right. It's it's one level below what uh, most Canadian hockey fans might know about the CHL with the the WHL in in, uh, in Western Canada, the Ontario League out east. Uh, so it's one level uh, below that, and fairly high level uh, players on those teams. Ryan uh, he he was uh, a defenseman. Uh, he he had been a defenseman for. Uh, a long time since uh, partway through his his days in in youth minor hockey and yeah uh, friends and and former coaches of his say he he was a natural leader in, on any team he had played on. Um, I learned to skate was five, so hockey I think must have been Timbits was about six. Um, yeah, he hated it. <laughs> he did not want to do it. Tom would literally have to pick him up and throw him on the ice. Say, get out there! You're gonna one day. You're gonna thank me. But he was also that guy that didn't really like attention, didn't really want to be the center of attention. He he used to get nervous before games, even though there wasn't thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. But now he's. It's funny. I actually had a chance to talk to his first ever coach back when he was just a a little kid, six years old, trying out. And um, that coach remembered a story uh, at the end of one of Ryan's years, uh, he was on a kind of like a, a two on O uh, with another player who hadn't scored all year. You know, these kids are six, seven years old and one of the other kids still still was looking for his first one. And Ryan had a you know wide open lane to the net, passed it off to that kid. He scored and got his first goal and Ryan made that happen. So even from his, his earliest days, he was a leader trying to spread the wealth and make his teammates feel just as good as he wanted to feel on the ice. And how did he fit in with the Broncos team. What was he like? How did people describe him as a player when he arrived in Humboldt? 
apparently from from what Ryan, his dad, and some of the others around the team have have told me, you know, he he got there. It was obviously his first year with the team. He didn't know anybody aside from one of his former teammates, Grayson Cameron, who he had played with a few years earlier in in the minor junior ranks. And um, he got there, fit in right away. You know, apparently guys like Logan Boulay, uh, Captain Logan Shots, took Ryan right under their wing and fit in well with the team. From what everything I've been told, it was a very close team um, just in terms of, you know, the the veterans on the team would kind of be like the dads to the rookies. That's what they would call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so everybody was kind of tight knit and seems that's continued even since the crash with them all maintaining uh, a group chat and keeping in touch and being there to support each other. It's one thing that, to have a, a hockey team, the camaraderie and the group support, but to have all gone through that tragedy together, I imagine it almost makes them even more like a close-knit family of support in the last year. Got to remember, it's it's one of the, the biggest tragedies you know, we've heard of in the, in the last few years in Canada, but these guys, mm-hmm. they're, they're just kids, you know, they're... They're 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 21 even is the oldest age around there. And like these are kids who have lost, you know, more than a dozen of their peers that they're all having to learn how to cope with such a tremendous tragedy. And yeah, they've they've leaned on each other. Um, they've leaned on on those in the Humboldt community. And um, it is it's quite remarkable just what some of them, including Ryan, have been able to achieve in just a short time while while dealing with the magnitude and and the weight of their shoulders uh, on them. How does Ryan feel about talking about the crash? Is it something that still gives him pause, that that makes him hesitant? Yeah, I, I mean, Ryan, I, I've, I've asked him a few times to, to tell me the story of the crash. I was uh, leaned up against a semi-truck and just a whole bunch of, like, you don't know what to think. Your mind's... Uh, jumbled, but you're, you're hearing noises, you're, you know, you got a ringing in your head, a lot of pain, I think, um, from what I remember, seeing a whole bunch of stuff, and I mean, I hope nobody ever has to go through that, but I mean, it's, uh, that wasn't great. Uh, when it comes to actually thinking about the trauma and whatnot, he, he does say he tends, he tries not to think about it every day and he's starting to be a little more successful at that in terms of, uh, you know, focusing on his day-to-day tasks, his routine, his goals, and and not focusing too much on, on that trauma that he endured. But, you know, like anyone who would have gone through that, I'm, I'm sure it still weighs heavily and it, it's something you can tell he's still keeping in mind and close to his heart as he as he talks about his former teammates and and tries to achieve his goals like sledge hockey for them. And um, it's something you even see on his body. He's now in the middle of getting a, a tattoo that that pays tribute to his, his lost teammates with pucks that have their numbers, that have their initials on them, just to keep them close to him at all times. How does he feel about his injury and being paralyzed from the chest down and and how does he feel about surviving a crash that killed people that he knew yeah um when it when it comes to his injury um uh, i think he, he's told me that at the beginning you know when he was in hospital when he was first learning how to do transfers from things like that things that you know no kid his, his age should have to go through he, he says at the time he he would sort of get his mind wrapped up on you know why why am i in this predicament you know and that and that's he he approaches that question from from both ends right why am i 
you know, why did this happen to me, this, this terrible tragedy, but also, you know, where I was sitting, I could have died. People around me died. Why, why was I one of the ones who survived? Um, he tells me now that he tries not to ask himself that question too much anymore. Mm -hmm. It just kind of messes with you. It really is something he's tried to make the best of. Well, as Michelle and I are walking through the ICU is you couldn't recognize any of the boys um, or Dana because she was in there too. And I just remember grabbing Michelle going, just brace yourself because they were unrecognizable. And then when we got to Ryan's room, he had a cut right there. And then it was kind of, well, knew it was him, but he was out after surgery. And then uh, when he woke up, we were right there and then he kind of looked. And first thing he actually said was, I'm sorry. And I looked at him and I went, what are you sorry for? And then he goes, I can't feel anything. I went, pal, I don't give a shit about that. I said, you're alive and we'll focus on that. Then he goes, did Team Canada win the sledge hockey like in the uh, Olympics? And I went, pal, they lost 2-1 to the States. And then he looks and he goes, I'm going to try out for sledge hockey. And then Michelle and I, our eyes bugged out and went, where did he come up with that? And then that's been his goal since that. This is the next day, right? He's, that's how quickly he, he decided to pull himself back up and try and make the, the best of a tragedy and, and still succeed in life. And that's sort of been his mindset ever since. Uh, he, went, he was still in hospital for a few months after that, went to Philadelphia mm -hmm. for, for rehab and training. And the moment he got out and got back to Calgary, he was in a, a sled you know, a couple of weeks later with his coach and now they're, they're in the sled every you know four or five days a week uh, learning to play sledge hockey. It's pretty exciting. I mean, you're learning a new, new way to play the game, and I'm enjoying it. So, you know, the sled and, and the way you move is a lot different. So that's something I got to work on. Keep practicing sledge to hopefully get good and uh, long term make the Olympic team and win a gold medal. But for now, you know, I'm just out here having fun. Got a good coach, so I'm good to go. He's taught me to you know be strong, and it's not the end of the line. So. So for people who aren't familiar, what is sledge hockey? Yeah, so sledge hockey is sort of, I guess you could call it the sit-down version of, of, of ice hockey. They call uh, ice hockey, uh, those who play it, they call it the stand-up game and, and the sledge game. So sledge hockey is basically hockey, but you're sitting in a sled on the ice. You're wrapped up into it. And the way you play is you you have got two sticks in either hand. Um, kind of looks like you. It kind of feels like you're you're holding mini sticks, like you'd play in a, a basement growing up or whatnot. But you're you're basically using those sticks uh, to propel yourself across the ice. That's your form of skating. But you're also mm -hmm. using those sticks the other end to to gather the puck, make passes, take shots, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a really hard game to play. I had the opportunity to try it with Ryan and it's definitely uh, tougher than uh, learning to play, learning to play regular ice hockey, I'd say. So yeah, it's a great sport. What, what keeps you going? Just everyone around me, I think, just seeing how hard they work. Um, I've, I've had trainers and coaches and people in the past who have helped me get mentally t uh, strong and, and know that it's not the end of the road. Um, I was always taught when one door closes, a lot more open. So. Just being optimistic, keeping that positive attitude. Um, I was always told during a game when you're down or you're losing, um, when things aren't going your way, your true colors start to show. And obviously, I think this is a good example of it. Um, you know, things might not be going our way, but as long as we keep optimistic and positive, we'll, we'll get through it. Yeah. Now, one thing that's that's been apparent, obviously, just like you said, 
you know, the day after the crash, he's talking about wanting to get back on the ice and, and play sledge hockey. He's really demonstrated a sense of determination. And I think in the feature that you wrote about him, uh, resoluteness, where does that come from in him? How did, where does he draw upon that to push forward? I think that's a good question. Obviously, on one hand, you can point to what he says directly. I'm doing it for my teammates. They're my strength. They're who I draw my inspiration from and why, do I, why I want to achieve this. But people I've talked to, like his, his younger siblings, Again, I've, I've talked to, you know, former coaches that he had growing up, the rest of his family, you know, old teammates. They all say he was always like this, that if he wanted to achieve something, he would. And if it wouldn't work, he'd he'd look frustrated and he'd figure it out and find a way to, to get the job done. So, um, you know, he, he's a guy who's been on the ice since he was five years old. And it's clear that he he loves the game. Uh, he, he told me, you know, even... Even during the summertime, I'd, I'd find ways to play hockey, whether it was road hockey or, or finding a rink or something. So nothing is going to keep him from, from playing hockey. And I think it's just a combination of those three, right? Between wanting to honor the memory of his teammates, just the, the personality he's always led, and the fact that he loves hockey and nothing's going to stop him from, from playing hockey. So it's, it's a bit of everything. Now, turning to his family, obviously... They've had to go through a lot in the last year as well, just like the families of uh, other survivors and and victims of the crash. What has the adjustment been like for Ryan's family, his parents uh, specifically? It's huge. Um, obviously, uh, you know Ryan's injury was pretty catastrophic, and as a result, the uh, the family has been living in a, a hotel actually for the past. Uh, close to the past year. Um, some days get stressful, like uh, like everyone has good days, bad days, and when those bad days hit, you just gotta plow through that and try and make it a positive day. So every morning I'll uh, wake up, look out the window, see the sunshine or the snow, and go, okay, let's make this a good day. I'm gonna use Ryan as, a, as an example for myself as well. Even when things look their bleakest. Um, I think it's important to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, literally or figuratively. You know, you got to keep trying. Get up, get going. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, and keep laughing if you can. Some friends and, and family and, you know, other volunteers in the Airdrie area where they live, they've, uh, they've stepped up and have been renovating uh, the Strasniski house uh, to make it wheelchair accessible for Ryan. And that involves a whole host of things like installing an elevator. Um, he'll have a little apartment in their basement that will be his space and um, it's going to be fully wheelchair accessible. But because of all those uh, renovations, as I mentioned, they're in the hotel and they have been for a long time. And uh, it's uh, it hasn't been easy for them, that's for sure. I mean, they've, they've got three younger kids besides Ryan and between getting all four kids kids where they need to be for a day, whether it's Ryan at sledge hockey or physiotherapy or getting the two younger kids at their sports events or, or school, they've, they've got their, uh, their hands full for sure. And, um, there's other things too, right? Like it's making sure Ryan is always uh, healthy. There's a whole host of, of health issues that he has to deal with now, whether it's taking, you know, various meds throughout the day to make sure, uh, you know, he stays, you know, all together or, or just, uh, other things that, uh, you know, being in a wheelchair, you know, you have to deal with. So they, they kind of 
keep close tabs on 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 that and making sure that he's he's got it all together and and uh yeah whether and then they still have to cook you know dinner for their for their kids that that night so they uh they definitely have very different lives than they they once did how have things changed for ryan and his siblings yeah so ryan as i mentioned has uh three younger siblings he's got uh a younger brother and sister who are twins they're 16 and then uh, a younger brother uh, who's six and brother and sister the twins they actually say that since since this whole thing they've gotten a lot closer with ryan we were close when we were younger and then he's the older brother so obviously we drifted apart and he got into like hockey and stuff like that and then that accident the accident happened and we've just been closer than ever now and i like to say that i'm his favorite <laughs> younger sister Jaden, she says you know we he'll, he'll ask me to go to a movie you know uh the brother he's he's also into hockey and kind of following the same path as as ryan uh his name is jet and and he kind of leans on Ryan for advice, whether it's, you know, should I, I got a, a letter from this junior A team or that one, you know, who should I, where should I go? What should I do? And says Ryan's just been an invaluable resource for him being back home and being able to, to just talk to each other and, and really, you know, see what, each, what everyone's going through in their own stages of life. I've kind of just grew up with him being so inspirational to me and, and obviously my siblings, like he's just a very inspirational person and not very surprising that people are, are wanting to meet him and all that. So what's next for him? Obviously, we've we've talked about sledge hockey, and he he hopes to play for Team Canada someday. Um, but what else is in store for Ryan? Yeah, so uh, with sledge hockey, there's there's definitely a few steps to go through before being on the national team. Um, he's still not cleared for for contact. There's there's also hitting in sledge hockey, which I sh- mm-hmm. I should probably mention. So he's still uh, learning the the basics uh, with his coach and uh, hopes to join a, a team uh, at some point to kind of get into that competitive sort of uh, parts of it. But uh, off the ice, he uh, he's kind of keeping an open mind. He says he's not quite sure yet if maybe school or a job uh, is in the future. He um, he's mentioned you know maybe uh, it'd be great to work in hockey, whether it's for a professional team or or just be around the rink in some other capacity, uh, scouting or something. His mom says he'd be good in law enforcement if he ever went into that, um, if there's a job in there for him. And uh, yeah, Ryan, uh, he's kind of just keeping an open mind from here on out. He has some short-term goals, like learning to drive through the use of hand controls. Uh, And uh, other than that, he's actually, um, in the coming months, he's going to be going to Thailand for a a procedure um, that he hopes to, to help Uh, might be able to help him uh, moving forward with his injury. Well, it's definitely an inspirational story that the whole country has been paying attention to. Sammy, thanks for your time. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Production support from Dean Pilling and Leah Hennel. Special thanks to my guest, Sammy Hudis, whose feature Bronco Unbroken can be read at calgaryherald.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.